Hello guys, Jack here from Jack Makes Happy Hour podcast. And yes, the rumours are true. We're heading back out on tour in May 2024. 68% of the tickets are already sold out, but there are still a few left at Edinburgh, Newcastle, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Bristol, Bury, and our home city of Norwich. So don't waste any time. Grab your tickets today and come and watch me, Alfie and Robbie live. And me. Mainly me, Alfie and Robbie, though, isn't it? Yeah. Happyhourlive.co.uk. See you in May. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. happy hour hello guys and welcome back to jack mates happy hour podcast i'm here as always with my right hand man or should i say left hand man because you are on my left still your right hand man though yeah still the b-side great stevie um <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit scared today why are you scared uh, you know how like usually we interview comedians and youtubers and all of those kind of people and they don't scare you no nah, i'm not scared of them <laughs> at all but today we've got the governor in the governor. The governor. We've got Vanessa Frake Harris, who is a retired prison and governor turned best-selling author. How are you, Vanessa? I'm good, thanks, Jack. Nice to be here. Thank you. Am I right to be scared of you or not? Well, only if you piss me off, really. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> How are you? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank oh, you. no, it's, um, we're really chuffed. Fee and I, who's my partner who you just met, the producer, we were we were laid in bed a couple of weeks ago and we put on Lad Bible. We saw you on there. So Lad Bible, we've stolen your guest, sorry. <laughs> um, your, your life just seems fascinating, so we're super excited to get into it today. You've Thank had quite you. a life, is that fair to say? I think, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, at the time, mm. I was just an ordinary person doing what I thought was an ordinary job. It's like, though, when you sort of stop and you look back over the years and you think, God, did I really do that? Did that really happen? Mm. Um, then you start to sort of realise, well, actually, yeah, maybe it was something pretty special. Right, yeah. You, did you have 26 years, was 27, it? 27. 27. 27 years, yeah. Wow. Because we've, we've been, Stevie and I, we always say our favourite kind of guests. We, we, we don't shy away from the fact that our favourite kind of guests are people like yourselves who are involved or have done a job that is so far removed from anything we know. No, like we've had Peter Blexley on Undercover Cop. We had Raphael Rowe. Raphael Rowe, who was wrongly imprisoned for a murder mm-hmm. he didn't commit. So we're super excited to get into it. But let's not waste any time. We always start with the same question. All of our guests have to answer the Hall of Fame question. Now, Vanessa, okay. imagine a mythical place called the Happy Hour Hall of Fame. If you could submit an item into there, something that means something to you, an item, a place, a person, a feeling, what would you like to put in the Happy Hour Hall of Fame? Um, I I really think that there's only one thing that I could put in there and something that defined me and defined my career, and that is my MBE medal. Um, So, you know, 
my bloody efforts, not an OBE, other buggers' efforts. <laughs> um, so, absolutely, that says it all really about me. Yeah, wow. I saw that. I was doing a deep dive on your Instagram the other day and I saw you you, you met the Queen and that must have, been, must have been a special moment, hey? It was. It was um, in the 60th year of her reign. Um, you know, she... I, just to sort of set the scene, everything was just perfect, you know, Industry in itself could learn a thing or two from Buckingham Palace and how it runs. I mean, everything that we were told there were 98 recipients of medals that day from Lee Westwood, the golfer, uh, Ronnie Corbett and many, many others. We were told, told there was 98 and it would run for 98 minutes. And it ran for 98 minutes. And Her Majesty knew something about every single one who rocked up to her, shook her hand and um, answered the questions that she asked you. That's pretty impressive, yeah. that, isn't it? Absolutely. That's pretty impressive. We tell our guests that it's going to be about 90 minutes. It could end up being 108. <laughs> so we've, <laughs> we've got a lot to learn from that. So what was that? when did you find out that you were doing MBE? How does that come about? Okay, so um, in... Um, I, I got made an MBE in the New Year's Honours List. Mm-hmm. So the November before, um, I arrived home from work in my flat in uh, Islington and uh, on the mat was um, a white envelope with um, a stamped 10 Downing Street on it. didn't have a stamp or anything, just said stamped with 10 Downing Street. I was, what, what is this? Some sort of, you know, nonsense that comes through your door on what, a regular basis. What did you think it was going to be when you Oh, I, nothing. I just, what is this crap, mm. you know? Mm. And uh, so I opened it and it's a letter from the then Prime Minister, who was David Cameron. And he basically says that uh, your name's been put forward to Her Majesty the Queen and she has agreed um, that um, your name will will um, be um, explained in the New Year's Honours list um, for an MBE um, for the work that you've done within the prison service. Wow. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, this can't, cannot be for me. And I checked it and I read it again and I read it again and I read it again and uh, eventually it sort of started to sink through. And... Um, it also says a little caveat at the bottom that says, you know, you are sworn to strict secrecy, like you cannot tell a soul. Well, obviously, I was going to tell my partner. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't sort of live under the same roof. So I, I phoned you up and I said, she was on a tube and I said, are you sitting down? A train, beg your pardon. Yeah. On a train. And I said, uh, are you sitting down? She said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. There's no seat. I said, well, just hold on then. I've got an MBE. She was like, what? And I said, <laughs> I've been awarded an MBE in the New Year's Honours Lesson. And then she just let out this almighty, like, scream. <laughs> and everybody on the train must have, like, looked around and think, what? Um, and, um, yeah, the rest is history. And I... I, I I thought, well, I ought to tell my mum. Mm. So I, I told my mum and I said, look, mum, you, you're sworn to strict secrecy. And my mum lives in a little village that if you blink, you've gone through it. <laughs> right. Um, and she said, well, I must tell such and such and such and such. And I said, no, mum, you can't tell anybody. Yeah. It's it's absolutely a secret. And I saw her about six weeks later and I said, you haven't told anybody. Oh, well, only Mrs. So-and-so. <laughs> only you're up there. Only you're up there. I was like, so basically, mum, you've told the whole village. <laughs> 
Oh, she must have been so proud of you. Though. Yeah, I think yeah. she was. I think I think she was. You know, nobody else in our our family's ever sort of received anything like that. And um, yeah, so that's incredible. That was that. I call my dad up when I get an assist on Sunday league. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what it'd be like if I told him I was getting an MBE. What does that actually stand for? That might be a stupid question. No, no, no. It's a member of the British Empire. Right. So, um, like, I'm not really sure. You know, it's it's mainly you get a, a huge sort of bit parchment mindset, and it's all sort of in very sort of Italia italic writing, and yeah. it's signed by her, the Queen, and it's signed by Prince Philip, mm. um, and um, that's all sort of encased and put on a wall somewhere. Um, and then obviously the medal itself, and you know you can wear it at Remembrance Day and special occasions mm. like that. I mean, I I don't wear mine as a rule, but. Right. Um, Oh, and, and any any sort of uh, daughter or relation of yours can get married in St Paul's Cathedral. Oh, really? Yeah, I've t- I've told our daughter that, but um, at the moment she's not getting married. She's not interested, right. so <laughs> <laughs> that's all good. Oh, it must be so nice to get that kind of appreciation. Yeah, like, yeah. I think. I mean, I was I was shocked. Mm. I won't lie. I did, I didn't expect it. it. It literally came out of the blue. But um, you know, I. I, I'd, I'd done the same for um, one of my staff who um, did some really good work around prisoners and <coughs> visitors and families and that sort mm. of thing. And um, she got awarded an MBE, but not at the same time as, as I did. Right. I think, I think they're good because they show that, you know, you can, you can work your, your butt off mm. and somebody somewhere appreciates you and most of the people apart from you know a a few sort of well-known people Mm -hmm. that were there on that day were all to do with charities there was um, a guy there the last guy who got his medal he was number 98 was um, a British serviceman and he was um, awarded the Victoria Cross for um, Something that happened in Afghanistan where he saved um, a load of lives and that. Wow. And, um, you know, he, he, the Queen was quite clearly like, you know, really interested to talk to him the most and quite rightly so, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, he was just like beyond proud in, right. in, in what he'd done. As um, it should be. Like, absolutely, absolutely taking nothing away from sports people because they're important. But yeah. you do sometimes think you've got all of these people who are working the day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah, it's great Harry Kane can score yeah. some goals, but how does that compare to people on the front line? Yeah, or, or, or people, you know, there were a lot of people there from various charities who'd, mm. who'd raised millions and millions for this, that and the yeah. other. And and you think, yeah, for, for those sorts of things, absolutely. Yeah, what an answer. I don't think we're ever going to get an answer that good. No, I mean, <laughs> that shit's all over Chris Stark's meat <laughs> thermometer. <isn't it? laughs> Sorry, Chris Starks. <laughs> right, okay, brilliant answer. Let's jump into some quick fires. We'll keep them real quick fire as well. Uh, five questions to get to know the governor. Stevie, kick it off. Oh, I'm scared to ask this first question. No, go you. on. I know. If you could eradicate any crime, but you had to do it once, what would it be and why? Um, I think it would be um, any sort of abuse on children. I but, think, but you have to do the crime. That's oh, I have to do the crime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no! Scrub that out quick. My, my, my heart sank. <laughs> <Yeah. there. laughs> oh no, 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 no! 
Could you make your questions a little clearer? <laughs> right. So you, you, you get rid of the crime. Right. You can only get rid of it by doing the crime. But you've oh. only got to do it once. Yeah, that's why it's tough. Oh. So if, if you said you want to get rid of all forms of stealing, you'd just what? have to no, steal I one don't want, thing. No, I don't want to. I don't, well, you see, I don't... Would I do anything? Like I get, I get the sort of the collywobbles going through with nothing to declare at, at Heathrow. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I it is weird, isn't it? <laughs> well, you're, you're the governor, so like when, when you go through, like if I'm walking around, and I see a policeman, I instantly go, "Oh, have I got a knife?" Yeah, never carried a knife in my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. So. I know. I know. It, it must just be a an inbuilt guilt or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know what a crime that. I don't think there is anything that I would specifically do. Yeah. Crime-wise, like I've had, I've probably I mean the the most I've had to do with um you know any sort of justice system on that side of the fence is I did my cycling proficiency with the local bobby. Do you know what I mean? I've right. never right. I've never really done anything that I shouldn't do. Yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you what I think a good answer is. I saw this online. I saw another podcast that I says. There's a rapper called JME. I think it was JME and he said he would um, what was it? It's uh, like fr- fraud or financial um, extortion or something because if you have to do it, you then get the money and then no one else can ever commit that crime again. Yeah, but what about the person that you're extorting it Or from? maybe what about if you like robbed a bank? Yeah, you know, see, that did flit in my head. Yeah. But, again, you know, how would you, how would you do it? I'd have to see I'm too literal, mate. Yeah. I'd have to do it so that nobody sort of it w- didn't affect anybody and nobody got hurt. Victimless crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it would have to be. Yeah. What about tax evasion? Because then that would force all of the big businesses to start paying tax properly. Now, there's a good one. Yeah. I quite like that one, yeah. I suppose, because yeah. I seem to pay a lot of tax. <laughs> yeah. So, Here yeah. Here's your free I'll start. pass. Yeah, I'll start now. <laughs> well, at least we found out you have got morals. <laughs> um, which three people, dead or alive, would you have round for a dinner party? Oh, OK. That's 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 quite an easy one. First one would be Douglas Bader. He is my absolute hero. When I did O-Level English mm-hmm. at school... Um, English was my like favourite, favourite subject. Mm-hmm. And um, we read Reach for the Sky for O-Level. And um, like the teacher used to say, I'll read a couple of pages. Well, I just took the book home and read the whole thing. <laughs> right. I thought his story and, and, and what he... I nearly said what he stood for, but he didn't have any legs. But um, Oh, really? What, no, no, what, he what? lost his legs, but he carried on flying um, in the war, in World War Two. Oh, yeah. he's in the Royal Air Force? Yeah, right. Douglas Bader, yeah. Oh, wow, There's okay. um, a very famous film um, with him in it. Um, <laughs> And so he he would be one because I would answer. like to I'd like to like find out about how he he faced like because his his world was in the war flying planes to defeat the enemy right but once he'd le- lost one leg he thought his flying career was over but he carried on they let him carry on and then he had another plane crash and he lost his other leg but oh, they wow. still let let him carry on flying. Um, so that's you know most people would have said oh I've done my bit for yeah. for Queen and Country yeah. and um, you know but he didn't he right. just kept on going so great answer so he would be one person mm-hmm. um, my second person would probably be um, ooh, I'd probably like to talk to somebody like um, Nelson Mandela I think I think he'd be quite an interesting guy to talk to mm-hmm. I've been to um Cape Town and I I've, I've been to you know where he was kept and 
a beautiful, beautiful country that's unfortunately been been sort of um, sort of brutalized by by corruption and and apartheid and all that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. you know, the people were so lovely when I went to Cape Town. I absolutely loved the country. Vanessa, you're far too articulate for us. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Stevie said he'd have Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> I like Michael Bublé. All right, right. But my other one... <laughs> Michael Bublé! Same no, Mr. Blobby. No. Same Mr. Blobby. He does Asda now. Yeah. What is that about? Weird, isn't Anyways, it? Um, they brought him out for Christmas. No, my other one would be Dolly Parton. Right. There we go. There we That's, go. That's on our level. <laughs> Love it. Great answers. What, oh, what would your death row meal be? My death row meal? Mm. Um, well, I'm a vegetarian bordering on vegan, so it would have to be... My my daughter makes a fabulous um, red Thai curry, Ooh. Um, which I absolutely love to pieces. So I would probably have a red Thai curry followed by either a piece of key lime pie, um, which I ate in Key West, like you do, mm. um, or a frozen piece of key lime pie dipped in chocolate that I also ate in Key West. <laughs> I literally went round Key West eating key lime pie. Um, so that, that would be my death row meal, I Do think. Do you know, I, I know we don't have de- like death row over here, but I don't suppose you know, can the inmates, can they request their family members to make them the meal? Um. I never really thought of that. I don't I think imagine. so. I don't think so no. because um, they would be they would be too worried that they'd put something in it. Not something that they could escape, but something that like I don't know, like that that would kill them before they had the whole sort of thing. So that power away from yeah. Them. I'm right. pretty sure that um, in the states it's it's all like bought in. A lot of it is usually sort of something like steak or yeah or things. But they can, like they can burgers. like go KFC and stuff. Can't oh they? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Two more. One silly. One one. A bit more serious. What's the weirdest app on your phone? The weirdest app. Oh my. Probably my um, plant identifying. <laughs> I know it's a right sad thing no, to admit to. Fiona will be absolutely fuzzy. Fiona, how much do you want to know the name of this? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. But um, yeah, I like to. I like to know mm. what difference. So if I'm out with the dogs and I see something that I think, oh, that's really nice. What is that? Or you know, what sort of it can be used for and things like that. So I'm a bit of a nerdy like that. So yeah, that that would that you is. Scan, you yeah, you scan. you just point it at the at the plant. You take a picture of it, and then it. Yeah, I mean, God, you can do all sorts of things. I mean, I've also got another nerdy one where you hold it up to the stars, and it will tell you what constellation it We've is. We've had someone say this. Yeah, before. I mean, yeah. you know, what they can do is just there's, unbelievable. There's so many different plants. Yeah, like that, there's so many they, different stars, mate. Yeah, but like they're all <laughs> we we know about what's going on up there. <laughs> <laughs> right, Brian Cox. Yeah, but there's so many different types of plants. Like the database on that app must be ridiculous, Just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, is it auto? Is it auto generated, or do you submit it and someone on there knows and they tell you? No, no, it's it's all done automatically, and oh. it tells you its Latin name, its English name, uh, where it grows. Um, what colour, it shows you like the flowers on it and what it's good for and all that sort of thing. Wow, okay, another great answer. Right, last, last quick fire, Stevie. Final serious one, who is your hero? Oh, um, my hero, apart from Douglas Bader? Yeah. Um, or, I don't know, do I have a hero? I probably do. 
Mm. Um, who would I think is my hero? See, you know these are quick fire questions. My brain doesn't do quick fire. <laughs> no, that's fine. You that's might fine. you might have noticed though. I'm too old to have a quick fire <laughs> round. I think. Um, my hero. I don't know. There are so many fabulous people in the world. Yeah. Is it is it is it right to pick one person out? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I think I like a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, so people like Nelson Mandela, people like uh, Douglas Bader. I love Dolly Parton. I think what she does, you know, yeah, mm. she's this really famous, famous brilliant songwriter but she does an incredible amount for charity and you, you know all, all those sorts of things so you know i like i like there isn't a specific one person that i could say you know superman you're my hero yeah no that's great that's that that makes sense now we'll get into a bit of your early life vanessa uh, where did you where did you grow up uh, i grow, grew up in um, a town called bedford uh, and i went to um, a catholic school called st gregory's um, much against my interest, really. Um, my mother thought um, I failed my eleven plus. Right. Um, quite miserably, I hated school. I is, got, that, is that like an uh, what is that an exam in eleven oh plus? God, don't yeah. even know what it <laughs> yeah. now make me feel old. Is that like SATs? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, if, similar. Yeah, similar. To, we didn't have SATs then, but um, yeah, it was called the 11 plus and if you if you passed it you could go to a grammar school and do an entrance exam and go to a grammar school or or you could um just go to the sort of state school right and um i i didn't pass it um i had no interest at school at all um i got quite bullied at school um and um i didn't the only lesson I really, two lessons I really enjoyed, one was PE and the other was English um, language. They, mm. they were the only two that I really quite liked. Right. Um, anything else, like I failed my O-level maths. So I'm not even sure I ever passed it, actually, but um, several times. Um, but, you know, <laughs> do I want to know how fast a car is going at 30 miles an hour for... 1.7 feet uh, <laughs> yeah. you know no I actually don't I can do give a flying they no. do teach some sort of strange stuff yeah, school, don't they? yeah I know nothing like growing up I knew nothing about tax I didn't know where, no, where exactly. I was paying or why but like I could tell you pi to seven decimal places exactly. I couldn't now but, yeah um, but no I'm very much with you in terms of are you with the English thing like are you more would you say you were more creative than sort of like oh um <clears throat> yeah I mean I think I'm 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 better um, probably working with my with my brain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm quite clever, right. but I have to ha be interested. Yeah. So, like, I know you're going to ask me what I did after school, and I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, I'll preempt the question there. I I went to agricultural college. Okay. Um, and I did an HND in agriculture, and I got a distinction. Oh, but wow. that was because I loved the subject. I was really into it, you know. What, what does that mean then? Like, is that what? Is that farms and stuff? Farming, yeah. Oh, okay. Farming, right. yeah, yeah. I knew the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's where your milk comes from. Right, and, okay. you know, I used to milk cows for a living. That's uh, what I did. Uh, is, that, is, is, that, is that any reason to why you're sort of a vegetarian now? Is that... um, No, I just think, I think as you get older, I think some things become more important to you. And I think you kind of realise um, 
like when when I you know I used to love steak and and burgers and all that sort of thing. But I think as you get older, I think you sort of step back and you have a look at things and you think, do I really want to to eat that now I know about it and 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 that's where it, it sort of came from. I mean, I moving on quickly just to throw it in there. I I used to work in a baker's uh, when I when I left. Uh, the prison service and I and I discovered this love of baking mm. and uh, so I worked in a cafe for a while and it was a bit like an artisan cafe and I worked downstairs and baked and the chef one day asked me to go to the butchers and get some bacon I think it was mm. and um, when I walked in the butchers like it was delivery day and I just saw all these dead animals like hung up and I just mm. I just walked out there and I thought I, I can't eat meat again and that was it Oh wow! Yeah, just I'd, like that. Just boom, just like that. Yeah. Oh wow! When was that? Um, gosh, that would be about ten years ago now. Wow! Never look back. No, never look back. You, and you don't, you don't miss because this is the thing. I ninety percent of my diet is meat. It's really yeah. bad. But I've always said on this podcast, like if I was debating like the ethics of it and stuff with a vegetarian, I know I would lose. Like I can't even back the reason that I eat meat. Well, I, like I would never, I would never sit here and pontificate to somebody and say, you know, you shouldn't eat meat. You, you know, you 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 are your own person, and and you must do it for for what you want to do. If you want to eat meat, go ahead. You know, yeah. people, because I, I I do understand. You know, if we were all, if the whole world was vegan, well, what would we do with cows and pigs and chickens and all that sort of thing? I absolutely understand that. Yeah. But um, for me personally, I can't, I can't eat that. Yeah, that no, that's fair thing. enough. I, compl- I like I say, I completely get it. Like my partner Fiona, she's a vegetarian, mm. right? and I just, I'm so weak-minded. I wish I could do it, <laughs> and then I just drive past McDonald's and I'm just sucked in by the Big Macs. It, it's terrible. But you, you, go on. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I've got a friend who loved me as well, and he saw a video of a cow acting like a dog. And he instantly became vegetarian. That was it. That was the trigger. He just saw this dog, yeah. this like cow chasing a ball like a dog, oh. and his brain just went, "Oh, they're yeah. they're like animals we like and yeah. have in our homes." Because yeah. we, we're kind of like desensitized to cows are just these like meat things. You just drive past them on the motorway so or whatever you, on a farm. When you see yeah. one have a bit of personality or a bit of charm to it, you think, "What am I doing?" I mean, I mean, we're all vegetarians in 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 my house. You right. know, even our our daughter who's coming up for twenty one, and she didn't realize. Um, about milk and the fact that, you know, milk, in order for a cow to produce milk, she needs to get pregnant yeah. like any mammal. But she, it didn't it didn't click with her because yeah. she's always drunk milk. But, um, you know, we were having this, this chat and uh, I think, I don't know, Farming Today or something was on the TV or something. And um, and I said, you know, that that calf will be taken away from her and the milk that you put in your tea is what, should be for the calf yeah she had no idea had absolutely i I said why did you think how did you think like milk came she said well it never occurred to me that they had to be pregnant i'm exact same as that yeah yeah i never you've never wrapped no it's crazy so so you know i mean she now drinks soy milk right but that's that's her choice i've never i've never made her drink soy milk and i i certainly wouldn't it's no i definitely see it and you, you mentioned just briefly there that you you uh you're a keen baker yeah so um, as your profile begins to rise through the ranks of YouTube and stardom, will we ever see you on uh, Great British Bake Off? <laughs> um, I don't know. If, I don't know. I've, 
I mean, I, I watch it yeah. avidly. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say no, and I'm not going to sit here and say yes, because yeah. I don't know. Right. But if asked, maybe I would. Well, I don't know. Our listeners are going to start a petition now <laughs> yeah. to get you on there. <laughs> going back to the agriculture side of things, how mm. was your brain kind of going for such a solid interest in that to then go, and you know what, I might go towards the police instead. Okay, so so when I left agricultural college, I milked cows and uh, I worked for myself. So when the farmer wanted a break or was on holiday or his herdsman was ill, I used to step in and milk his cows. Um, and then the good old European Union brought in milk quotas, which basically meant that if a farmer produced too much milk, he got fined. Whereas before he was told to produce as much milk as he can. Um, and so farmers started cutting back. And as they cut back, they cut me back. So the sort of the money that I was earning was good money at that for that time. And I mean, I was never going to earn enough to like have my own farm or anything like that. Was and that I'm, a dream at one point? Was it? I don't know. I think I think when you're when you're sort of like. 18 as I was then it's very difficult to know what you want to do for the whole rest of your life yeah, isn't it yeah 100%. um and I think you know I, I almost went into the navy I all you know I went to agricultural college and then I decided that I needed to find something that that would give me a career and I, I've, I've always liked sort of like routine regulation all that sort of thing mm -hmm. so um I thought I was up in London and I saw a a poster on the tube and it said um your your prison service needs you and you too could make a difference and i thought mm, that sounds like an interesting job i might give that a go yeah um and then at the same time i applied for that i applied for the met police because i was quite fancied being in the met police um and um when i was up at the training school i'd got through the the whole shebang that you go through to join the prison service at that time and I was halfway through my training and I got a letter from Hendon College saying um, we'd like you to start in the Met Police I don't know in a month's time or something but by that time I was halfway through the training of the prison service and I thought well I'll just see how this goes and the rest they say is history don't they That's, it's crazy how like little moments like seeing that poster yeah it was then... sliding doors isn't it yeah you know I could have turned the other way and never seen the poster and who knows I don't know so the, there was the you had the offer from the police come halfway while you were doing this training what was that training for what was the role you were you were going for because we we, we now know in hindsight you were the governor and you had 26 27 years in this and you're very much at the top of that yeah. period did you have to work your way up? I absolutely did. I started as an officer. Um, then um, at that time, you could only um, apply for promotion after four years. So after four years, <laughs> and the only reason I applied for promotion was we had this really crap senior officer. And I... And I I thought, well, you know, I'm sure I can do a better job than that. Right. And that's why I applied for promotion. Um, and I was successful, passed the exams and, and the interview and um, <laughs> became a senior officer. Um, and then um, I, did, I did a senior officer role for 11 years um, at Holloway. Um, and then I moved from there to Wormwood Scrubs, um, again on promotion to principal officer, which is at that time was the highest uh, uniform rank that you could get to. Right. After that, you went into plain clothes, like, you know, your civvies. Well, not, not a hoodie like I'm wearing <laughs> yeah. now, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, so at that time, 
um, I, I, I kind of thought that I was sort of in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I just happened to be like, you know, I was, I, I loved my job. Mm. And because I love my job, I put everything into my job. Mm. And um, and then I became um, what was called a, a governor five then. And then I became a governor four, which um, and then I was uh, in charge of operations and security for the whole of Wormwood Scrubs. Wow. So and that's where I stayed until I retired in 2013. Is is Governor four is that the is that the top one? No, no, you can go all the way to Governor one. But if I'd have gone any higher, because um, I was very lucky um, and I had um, uh, a very decent pension, if I'd have gone any higher, I'd have lost my my rights as pension, and I wouldn't have been able to retire till I was sixty seven. Oh right, which just. I don't believe you can do that job at 67. It's too it's too stressful, it's too intense and you know you got some 67-year-old rolling around with some sort of 20-year-old on the floor. It's just ridiculous. Right. So you started at Holloway, did you say? I started at Holloway, yeah, May the 12th, 1986. And and what were the you went in as an officer? What yeah. what are the kind of roles that you had to do back then? Um the first role I had was um I was in the sewing rooms and you sat on this um, high stool um, and watched the women sew sheets at that stage. It was enthralling, (laughs) (laughs) quite honestly. um, Every day? Every day, yeah. Five days a week in the sewing room. Did much happen? No. (laughs) Never? (laughs) No, No, I can't ever remember, uh, you know, a fight, a scrap. The, The women came in. Sewed the sheets, got on with it, and then the bell would go, and that would be it. Lunchtime, then they'd come back in the afternoon, and then and the you, bell would go, and that would just, be it. You just sat there, watching. sat there watching them. Yeah, like Making a lifeguard. Sure, make yeah. accounting for all the tools, the scissors, etc., etc. Never had anybody stabbed or anything. It was, no one wow. ever took any of the scissors. No, no, nothing. What, what were they sewing so many sheets for? Well, for the whole prison estate, it wasn't just for Holloway. So uh, they, they were edging them, you know, right? Um, so they didn't fray. Yeah, that's what what they were doing. Um, it, they used to sew mailbags, but they stopped that and thought they'd modernise it and they could sew sheets. Um, that was that. Um, then we did. Um, I did a thing, um, and it was called a ship patrol. And um, at that time, we used to get um, because Holloway had such a a wide um, area that it covered. So it covered from Leicester all the way down to the Isle of Wight. Was all so all of like prisoners, female prisoners in that it, that sort of expanse would go to Holloway, oh. and that included all the airports. So Gatwick, Heathrow, Stansted. So at, at that time, we used to get a lot of uh, drug mules coming over from um, the African countries because right. these these sort of traffickers would go to a little village in Africa and tell these women they'll earn a hundred pounds. Like to them was like a million pounds. Um, all they had to do was take this package over to England and, and fly straight back. And of course, you know, they'd come into Heathrow, Heathrow customs were waiting for them. Um, and, um, and they'd nick them and they'd come to Holloway. But wow. what they used to do, um, was swallow them. So, um, obviously, um, they couldn't stay in, in Heathrow whilst, you know, nature took its course. So yeah. we had them at Holloway and we had this little sort of um, line of about five cells and a little sort of unit. And we had really high stools that we used to sit up there. And inside was this huge, great big machine. Um, so it was like a toilet. 
So they sat on this thing and then you dive in as soon as they'd sat to go to the loo, you dive in and it had this big pedal that you'd push your foot down onto and it would all seal it up like this, like this in this like plastic bag. You'd pick it up, obviously you had gloves on, pick it up, take it out and send it to customs. And that was called Ship Patrol. <laughs> wow. That's, That's like something like, from like and I swear, I absolutely swear down that that happens. Wow. You don't think of anyone having to do that job? Like, you know people traffic drugs and stuff like that, yeah. but there is someone on the other end having to then go, yeah. yep, no, loads of coke. Well, <laughs> would there be a specific person that would do that? Or would oh, you... we, used to, we used to take it in times because you had to man it like 24 hours a day. In case they went at two o'clock in the morning. You lucked out with the sewing room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm staying here and I'm making bed covers, mate. <laughs> wow. So uh, the, the big question, why do they call you the governor? Um, well, I think when you get to, like, the rank of a governor, mm. I mean, you get pe- called various things. I won't say some of them, but some of them that I can say were yeah. like, you know, boss, gov, um, governor, uh, miss... Um, you know, a, a variation of, of all, all sorts of things. By, by the inmates to you. By, right? by the yeah. prisoners, yeah. yeah. And also my staff used to call me boss. Some of them, like like now, will still like send me a Facebook or an instant message and say, how are you doing, boss? You know, they'll still, oh, we miss you, Gov, when you're coming back. You know, th- things like that. So they still they still even now call it me, uh, yeah. which I don't mind. It's you know. quite a respectful thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, and um, so when I wrote the book and we were thinking on a on a title for it, it just happened to be, well, could only really call it the governor. Yeah. Because most of it is about my life as a governor at Wormwood Scrubs. That's a great name, and I think that's why I instantly warmed to you, because my, my nan, who passed away, um, she was oh. called... she Everyone in the family, like all my uncles who think they're right hard London geezers, they um, they all called her the governor. Did so they? when she passed away, <laughs> she had like a wreath of flowers oh, that said governor and that's stuff. that's lovely. Yeah, but she wasn't a real governor. You're a real... You're, yeah, <laughs> you're a real I'm sure she was a real <laughs> yeah, governor. Yeah, she was She was probably more of a governor than I ever was, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, it's it is, and and you know, working with men in general, they're they're quite respectful, right, to, to female staff. Mm. I mean, obviously there are one or two that aren't, but yeah. you're always going to get that no yeah. matter what. But in general, I mean, I've had I've had male prisoners, you know, step in in front of me and, and tell other prisoners not to talk to the governor like that. Yeah. And, you know, be, be you know, open a door for me or morning governor, how are you? You know, all, well, it all should be though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, to any person in that. Yeah, in that I, but I think I think you know a lot of it. I think it doesn't come. You have to earn respect. You know, it doesn't it doesn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I always. I think if you spoke to anybody who who I worked with or or who um, was a prisoner in my charge, I think most of them would say I was firm but fair. Mm-hmm. And I never lied to a prisoner. And I always made sure, if I didn't know the answer to a question, that I went and found out. Um, and, you know, I think that sort of that sort of ethos got me through my career because you have to find your own way and what works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people who on the whole have a lot of problems, never mind the fact that they're actually in prison. Right. So, you know, you have to work your own way to, to, to 
understand them and mm. to communicate with them. So, so when you started, and or not so much when you started, but when you came up and became a governor for, mm. um, was it was it very commonplace to have a female governor? Were you one of the? No, first? no, I was, I was, um, I was at that time. I think there was two of us. Um, and well, in, I in the in the in, no in in, the in, in Wormwood Scrubs. Right. Yeah, it was. They weren't. They weren't. Um, they weren't as common as um, the male governors put it that way. And did you get treated differently by the inmates? You said that your staff were respectful. Um, should be, but I think. Well, I think. <sighs> did I get treated differently? Um, I'd I'd like to say no, mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I think probably I did. Right. If I look if I look back because I think, you know, people people who's anyone who is a woman who has worked their way up knows it's hard graft Um, I'm not saying it's easy for a man that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying for a woman to reach a certain um, height in in any career really Mm -hmm. it's hard graft because there are more things uh, that go against women than there are men for example having a family looking after children you know Absolutely, which I don't, you know, I don't have any issue with whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I think it is, it is more difficult for for women. Right. Um, I'm not a going and burning me bra person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would like, you know, just the same pay for the same job. Mm. You know, um, when I first started, female staff didn't get the same pay as male staff. Um, that's, that's crazy, yeah. isn't it? For doing the same job. For doing the same job. Because it literally is as well. I know we could open up a whole can of worms about like the debate about women's football. And yeah, yeah, football. yeah. Like, there's a whole sort of underbelly of argument there when it comes to like um, investment and advertising yeah. and stuff like that. But you're literally doing the same yeah. job. Yeah. It's not that more people are going to watch you do your no, job than someone no. else. That is crazy. Yeah, and 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 that is only like that was nineteen eighty six. So. Did it change towards the end? Then? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes, it changed once once the the whole sort of the cross sex postings came in, mm. um, which came in because at that when I first started, you know, women worked in female jails, males worked in male jails, right? And that changed in about nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight, uh, when they had cross sex postings. So either could work in either. Right. Um, and that changed the the pay then. Yeah. Um, which it, it had does. to, you yeah. know. It's That's just cr- ridiculous. Really. Do, you, do you remember the first time you worked in a male prison? Oh, yeah. I and remember the, the first day I, I rocked up at the gate um, as, a, as an SO with my new epaulets on um, that said Wormwood Scrubs. And the gate staff looked at me and said, well, we ain't got you in our book. Yeah. <laughs> did, it, did it feel really different to what you were yeah. used to? Yeah, because it, to me, Wormwood Scrubs was a proper prison. You know, it's like what you see on Porridge and Time and, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a proper prison. Holloway was more like um, a mental institute. Right. Um, it was it was designed as a mental hospital because women were seen as mad and not bad. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so it was, it was just literally like dorms and blind corners and you know it wasn't it wasn't um like like scrubs like you imagine you know with netting and four stories high and big booming sort of echoing buildings mm. and and of course then you've got the turrets at Wormwood scrubs which um you know have been in films and god knows what they're they're grade two star listed i think what are they the 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 Two outside turrets. One's got a picture of Victoria on it. One's got a picture of Albert on it. 
Um, and that's when it was designed, I think, 1852. It was built by prisoners on church we're land. We're talking guns, yeah? Guns. Are, we, are no. they guns? Turrets? What? No, turrets? no. Turrets are, are like... Um, Towers. Oh, towers. Yeah, yeah, right. I like, thought there was someone with a big gun no, up there. No, no, no. There's no gun. I know you'd love guns to be in there, in there but they're not, Jack. Are you not picturing, like, proper, like, turrets? Yeah. No, 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 That'd no. That'd be terrifying. What are they thinking is going to try and get into the prison? <laughs> I don't know if anyone tries to get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's not, we're not. We're I'll not American. Too much Call of Duty. You, yeah, and I think I think you watch too many American. That's true. America's most dangerous <laughs> yeah, prisons. That is true. Yeah, that is true. What, why is Wormwood Scrubs such a well-known prison? Yeah, because I've heard of that prison. Yeah. Um, well, it's 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 well known because um, Wormwood Scrubs is built on church land, so it was owned by the church, who gave it to the government on the condition they could build a prison on it, but it couldn't. Um, do any sort of hangings. So anybody who got the death penalty that ended up at Wormwood Scrubs was sent the night before to Pentonville or Brixton or or indeed Wandsworth for execution. So nobody nobody was ever hung at Wormwood Scrubs. Um and um it was it was sort of designed as um you know it's been there's like um oh what was his name? Some George Blake the the spy who gave the KGB a load of MI6 agents' names, he escaped from there. So that raised the profile of Wormwood Scrubs and he escaped, I think it was in the 60s. Um, and um, from his escape um, was uh, born the Mount, Ma the Mount Batten report. And uh, that was Louis Mountbatten who was blown up by the IRA, um, who was King Charles's cousin right uncle i think it was yeah um and so he did this report on prisons and he designed that men should be categorized from a b c d um and it that's where that came from so it's always from then it's always been you know in the limelight sutcliffe's been there and um dennis nielsen was there oh, wow. and all, all these sort of um very well-known sort of criminals have been there and um i think that's why it's it's so um, got its name. It's iconic, isn't it, in a way? Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, there's a picture in um, The Italian Job where Michael Caine walks out of Scrubs' gate, you know, the yeah. one, yeah. I only told you to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah, that yeah. One. So, so the towers are very iconic and have been in all sorts of... The towers, not the guns, right? The towers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I did a bit of research on Wormwood Scrubs. Okay. I was, I was, I'm fascinated. It's a, just a prison that I've just heard of for some reason, okay. and I've got some Google reviews. Mm. <laughs> Have you ever heard any reviews? Um, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Before you were doing this, I did not realise people would even review prisons. I know, <laughs> I know. Like if you're just debating going for a long weekend. Okay, so the first one says three stars. Nice enough place, but they wouldn't let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> Three stars. Room was cosy and comfortable with a fantastic view of the scrubs. Please request a rear-facing room on arrival. <laughs> He's right on that one. It's a nice view, actually. Over. It's a, There is actually behind the pris prison a place called 
scrubs. It's the scrub land. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it comes from a, a, a worm is, is the actual, it's an old English name. It's um, W-Y-R-M, worm, and it's like means snakes. And then scrubs means like um, infested woodland. So oh. worm with scrubs is actually a snake infested woodland. That's where they built a prison, you know. Wow, <laughs> great bit of trivia, that. So there you go. <laughs> Would I recommend? Absolutely. Thanks, HMP Wormwood Scrubs, for a totally enjoyable stay. Five stars. Oh, good. Oh, somebody was happy. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. We do treat prisoners de- decently. <laughs> Bed was firm, but on a negative note, there was no pillow menu. <laughs> Food was decent, but breakfast and lunch times were a bit of a free for all. <laughs> there you go. And then breakfast. <laughs> finally, food was okay. Bit of a cue for the buffet. Breakfast very predictable. Porridge seemed to be on the menu every day. Surprised not to get a single room. Had to share with a Russian ruffian, but it turned out okay. We're getting married next year. <laughs> <laughs> Great, love it. <laughs> what, would, what would your review be? Uh, my review would probably be something like. Um, yeah. Five stars. Uh, the staff were unbelievably amazing. Um, looked after my every whim. I even had a call bell in my cell that when I wanted um, anything, I just pressed this bell and a member of staff would rock up with a smile on their face. There we go. The governor was alleged. Yeah. That bit, so. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd add that. Going back a little bit, what would you say the main differences were between female and male prisons? Um. Well, uh, I've kind of described the actual differences between the Holloway and and Wilmer Scrubs, the actual buildings. Mm. But prisoners, the difference between, apart from like obviously difference between female and males, is is a lot of it is women are are usually you know the main carers. They have um, children to think of, um, and women. Um, often have been victims of abuse, sexual, physical, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're often, um, their crime is something to do with, with drugs, prostitution or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're prolific self-harmers, and I mean prolific really? self-harmers. Yeah, um, a lot of them, unfortunately. So yeah. Um, men, on the other hand, and I'm not saying that men aren't victims of abuse because they absolutely are but not quite to the extent mm-hmm. um, of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and men tend to be much more, um, well, they rely on people outside to look after their wife and um, send them money in and mm-hmm. send them new trainers in and things like that. Um, they they do self-harm, but certainly when I left Holloway, um, we'd probably have out 90 prisoners, maybe 40, 50 on special watches who were self-harmers. Oh, really? Um, when I compare it with Wormwood Scrubs, it was probably half that. So there is a, a distinct um, difference in 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 the emotional... Like a, a man, mm. you can usually tell when, when a man in... And a, Two blokes are about to square up and and have fisticuffs, mm. but you know women are much more spontaneous. It it can just f- flick on the on the flick of a switch. 
Um, you know, we had a, a fabulous riot one Christmas over um, somebody's um, size of their Christmas pudding that they got served. You know, and it just literally, the dining room blew up just like that. In, over. The, in the female state? In the female state, yeah, yeah. Because wow. somebody thought she was shortchanged on her on her size of Christmas pud. Oh, wow. But, um, you know, men, it, it's, it's, it's much easier to walk onto a landing and feel like... Um, uh, th th there's something wrong. Men aren't quite as good as hiding it. You know, they'll they'll sort of like go behind their doors, or um, they'll they'll be mutterings as you're walking along, or you know, they, they might give you like sideways glances, and you can feel the the atmosphere much much better with That's exactly with what men. I was going to ask. Can you could you feel? Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Wow. Now, I, I again, I heard you say this on Mad Bible. I loved your answer to this. But what what if you were to go into prison as an inmate? tomorrow how how would you handle yourself for the for the first 24 hours um well i mean i think i think you know you any sort of person who who ends up in prison um will be shocked you know because suddenly you're reliant on somebody for absolutely everything for walking through a door for a cup of water for a meal for the toilet for a toilet roll you know the list is absolutely en endless and that that is part of the punishment you know it's it's your removal of liberty yeah and um that is what prisons are supposed to do so you know the whole like well we should feed them bread and water and um you know throw away the key and well that doesn't work you know that that's just an archaic um sort of kind of viewpoint that that to my mind is 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 irrelevant mm -hmm. in today's society um but um you know i think once you've got over that initial shock you know my my thoughts if it if it happened to me is i would sit back and i would just watch i would watch and i would look and i would listen um, and as the days sort of went past, I would ensure that I got a good job um, where I'd be out quite a lot. I'd toe the line. I'd, I'd do absolutely everything I was told. I'd be a good prisoner, um, but I'd be watching everything, listening to everything. And, um, you know, that's why I used to say to, to my staff, you know, you the tea boy you can't trust him mm. you know he's unlocked first thing in the morning so you guys get your get your tea he's standing listening at the doorway while you're all discussing your wives and the fact that you've bunked your girlfriend last night and <laughs> all sorts of things like that yeah you know he's he's picking up every every little thing because prisoners have more than anything they have time on their hands right, right. you know so they they do listen and, and they can use things to their advantage that's really interesting that do do you think how much do you think you guys, the, the governors and the staff, how much do you think you know of everything that goes on in there? Is it a fact that the prisoners don't realise how much you you do know? Or do you think it's perhaps you there's no way you can be across everything that's happening in those walls? Um I think I think, you know, any any intelligence gathering system is only as good as the people who provide the information to that system. So if you've got good intelligence gathering systems and that's by I mean, you know, staff listening, something doesn't seem quite right. So they report it. You know, it could be a little piece in a big jigsaw and you've just been waiting for that one little piece that that is um, the the 
the goodness of a prison, the safeness, the security of a jail is is only as good as the intelligent systems that you implement and you use. Right, right. So I'm. I mean, it would be impossible to know everything that's going on. You probably have a good idea, but that's why you know um, things like um, chizzes are. Covert human intelligence sources are worth their weight in gold, you know. Um, what do they do? Well, it's like you know, it's like your old snitch and your, you know, that's that sort of thing. What or, inmates? Yeah, prisoners. Oh wow! What you guys would you would? Yeah, yeah. I, I in fact, um, wow. I, I did one of the first, um, the whole sort of implementing a a, a chis network within Wormwood Scrubs as part of our intelligence systems, went to uh, went and trained with the police, <laughs> met some very dubious character at um, some war museum. Um, we were we were sort of playing a role because you, you've got to remember sort of like the police run chizzes, um, but it's very easy for the police because, you know, well, I'll meet you um, at Dave's Caf down, you know, the, the Holloway Road yeah. at, at seven o'clock tomorrow night. But, you know, Dave's calf is in the middle of nowhere. But in a jail, there's very pla few places that you can actually meet somebody without raising suspicion. Oh, so it's much, much more difficult. So the staff would meet the yeah the specific staff, right? What yeah. and what? So w would they give them sort of exact things they need to find out, like find well, out how they're getting there? It can, it can, it can happen. Really? But yeah, you want to know about Tom Jones, who's. Um, you think is up to dealing drugs or something like that. Or, you know, you've heard that there's um, a member of staff bringing contraband in and uh, can you sniff around, see see what, what you can find out? Oh, wow, that's super interesting. Yeah. That. Feels like a TV show, it doesn't it? It does feel like... You, you, you would be a cheers. Would I? Yeah. Why? You've got cheers written all over Do you. Do I have cheers written all over me? Um, yeah, but you see... <laughs> That's a yes, isn't it? That's a yes. Honestly, anything that makes my life easier, I'm all over it. But you see, but see, it's not a bad thing to be a cheers mm. because because there are rewards. You know, whether they're... Um, you know, I've, I've written letters to judges in um, court cases to say that, you know, this person has been very, very helpful um, within the prison. Mm. Um or you know, there's financial rewards. Um, oh, really? What? The, what yeah, the, yeah. What not not great. Finance before anybody sort of screams. Gosh, how much are we paying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thousands? No, absolutely <laughs> not. You know, yeah. an extra canteen, a tenner in your canteen, or yeah, something right. like that. You know, um, it depends. It depends what the information is and how good it is, and um, you know. Whether whether or not you can use it as yeah. to you know it's it's very very difficult to to manage and to control because above all else the safety of the chiz is paramount. It must be yeah. really difficult to mm. keep on top of that That's as one well. One of the worst things you can be in a prison is absolutely it? Yeah, yeah grass chit snitch whatever you want to call them but um, yeah I mean you know gone are the days when you know a prisoner comes up to you and says oi gov. Tom Jones is bringing in, uh, is dealing drugs, and 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 you go and you lift Tom Jones and say because you've got to you've got to have evidence, you've got to have proof, you mm -hmm. know, you've got to all this sort of thing. So it's it's very difficult, and and like I said, the the most important thing is the safety of the cheers. Yeah, and would 
would you scout out who would make a good chairs or does it just come up naturally? Um, sometimes it just comes up naturally, yeah. like, you know, a prisoner, uh, quite often prisoners, you know, prisoners I, I, I got to learn over the years just can't hold their own water. You know, that's why, you know, it is so dangerous to become involved in pr with a prisoner, whether that's um, a sexual relationship with them or, you know, bringing drugs in for them because yeah. they can't hold their own water. And I used to bang on about this time and time again. You know, they'll tell their mate, their mate will tell their mate. And before you know it, it's round G-wing like, like, you know, soup dragon. It's just gone right the way around and everybody knows. else to talk about. No, you, exactly. And, uh, you know, oh, you want a bit of puff? Well, I've got... Uh, an officer in my pocket I can get you some puff um, you know the people forget that though and they think that you know they're the only person that's ever had some sort of um, experience like that and I used to say to staff you know if you've ever been approached come and see me because I, I can do something about it yeah. but if you leave it until you've crossed that line it's too late then how would that be is that common then that um prison prison um, officers would get involved in terms of bringing drugs in or sexual relations. How common are sexual relations? Well, it seems, if you read um, like the papers, quite common these days. But I do blame that down to um, quite a few things. One is the type of person that the prison service are um, enlisting. Right. The second thing is the support that new officers are getting. And the third thing is training mm. because, you know, a lot of the training now happens at an establishment, whereas I was taken out of the establishment and sent to um, the training college up in rugby mm -hmm. for two months. Right. So but now it's you're expected to train mostly on the job. And, you know, you can't you can't be training somebody and running a wing. Yeah, you know, no. you, it's just impossibility yeah. because prisoners are very in your face and demanding and want this, want that, need this, need that mm. constantly. And trying to teach somebody, you know, the rights and wrongs of getting involved with prisoners is is not on the on the list. Um, so I, th I, I do think that, that that is an issue. And, and it's not just prison staff, you know, prison officers. It's it's education staff, nursing staff, um, kitchen staff. You know, it's it's anybody who comes into the jail, you know, governors. You know, it's not it's not just prison officers. It's wow. um, it's it's it can happen to anybody. You know, prisoners are very good. Like I've said, they've got more than anything they've got time and they can be very manipulative wow that's super interesting that isn't it do you think there's a part of it like people going into that job thinking oh this is an exciting job but then getting too excited by the people there if that makes sense like you're going like there's so much excitement in a job like that from the outside what you, what you think it might it's, it's like you people, watch it on people, tv people like a bad boy yeah you watch it on tv and you think oh they, these are but then once they actually get involved with them it's like oh I think yeah, it's. I, I think it's just that prisoners can be quite persuasive. Yeah, they? I think, are they charismatic? I, think, um, I don't necessarily say charismatic, but they can be very persuasive and very. You know, it, it will only start. It won't be straight off by. Um, oh, Stevie, will you bring some drugs in on mm. on Monday for me? Mm. It'll be more like, oh, scuv, I've I've missed the last post. Could you just pass post this out on your on your way home or? 
um, oh God, lend, lend us a fag, will you? I've I've run out till canteen day. You know, it could be it could be anything little. Once once they sort of snag you, yeah. it's like they start to reel Slowly, you yeah, in. Then yeah. you know, we had a we had a guy um, on. Um, Am I all right for time? I'm yeah, just going to tell a little story there. Oh, literally, we'd love to have you as long right. as you can give yeah. us. So, right, okay. So just so, tell us when you've had enough, basically. <laughs> yeah. We'll be here all day. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, so, um, so we had a, an officer on um, on one of the wings that I worked on at Scrubs, and uh, he was a lovely guy. He was um, Indian, and um, his mother used to make him a, a curry every day for his lunch and he'd bring it in. Mm -hmm. So he started sharing it with the staff on the wing, which was lovely. I had some myself and his mother got to know that. So she made him a bigger curry and every day he'd share it with her staff. And then one day, uh, one of the kitchen workers was out and he, he was sharing it with the staff and he says to this guy, do you want some curry? So the guy says, oh yeah, thanks Gov. That's very nice. So then it all became a bit regular. He'd start giving this guy, even when he was banged up, some curry for his lunch and it sort of kept on going and then it became oh gov um i didn't have enough money in my canteen um have you got any shampoo i know you go to the gym at lunchtime can have you got any shampoo that i can borrow and so the guy said the officer said yeah here you go have have this one on me and then one day he turned up and he said um gov when you come back from lunch today could you go out in the car park there's going to be somebody there waiting for you can you put what he gives you in the curry and bring it into me and the officer said well absolutely no i can't absolutely no way but then the prisoner turns around to him and says oh that's fine gov you know you've got me um my shampoo you've posted out letters for me you've brought me curry in he says i'll just go and tell your boss that you know you've done all these things for me so the officer then thinks well shit now what do i do oh, well i'll go and get it and this is what he did he bought um uh, a couple of packs of heroin and a and a little bag of um, cannabis in and that's what how it starts. Oh no! As simple as that. And in the end, the guy the guy was was um, was found out. He was he was searched because again, um, the um, the prisoner told his buddy, who told somebody else, who let a member of staff know, who let security know, who did a big search. The guy was caught. He went to court. Um, he didn't go to prison, but he was very lucky he didn't. Oh. Um, and you know he was a really nice guy. He, he he's been manipulated, hasn't he? Completely, absolutely, from he beginning off as to a end. Kind mm. thing to give some curry, and then they just use that yeah, and wrap it absolutely. around their finger. That reminds me a bit of um, similar to the storyline in Time. You know, I think you spoke again. I've heard you speak about this. Before. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the new one, but I did see the. Is this the, the, the one with um, who's the Scouse bloke? Steve, Stephen Graham. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Br brilliant actor. Um, I, my dad, when he was younger, he went to prison, and I, I spoke to my dad about it and stuff, and he said when he watched Time, that was the most accurate representation of a prison that he'd seen. Mm. I think you said a similar. I did. I did say that. Yeah. Similar thing. Yeah. The only thing I would have disagreed with was that governor. I'd have sacked her on the spot <laughs> when when Stephen Graham went to it. Yeah. Uh, and said, you know, um, uh, they're threatening my son. They're asking me to bring this in. And she did absolutely bugger all. Yeah. I mean, that just, I would hope to God that that wouldn't happen. It certainly wouldn't have happened if I was that guy. How, how, would, how would you have I'd, have? I'd have had that prisoner who was making the threats. I'd have had him up, um, down the seg. Um, I'd have had him um, put under good, good order and discipline. I'd have had his... 
Um, his son moved to a different prison, mm. um, maybe changed his name, something like that. Um, I'd have got the police involved. Um, you know, all there's so many things that that governor could have done, and she did nothing. She just left him there to to hang out to dry, and that's just not what what should have happened. And 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 that, and I mean, I understand the need for you know um, the theatrical license and and to make it an interesting show. I yeah. do understand that because yeah. otherwise, prison would be deadly boring. Trust mm. me. Um, <laughs> but <Sorry>. um, <laughs> but but you know. Um, I wish they'd have done it the other way where, you know, she'd have done something and you could have shown people um, that, um, you know, it, 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 it does pay to, to speak out and speak up and say, you know, this is happening to me. And, right. Uh, and as the governor, maybe a silly question, but can you literally do those? Can you get those things implemented? Oh, yeah. You, what you say goes. Absolutely, yeah. 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 When you're the head of ops... And uh, the head of operations and the head of security, you're next to God, right? Literally, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it a long process though? Because I know um, I've I've known of people who have to go to court for certain reasons, and it gets adjourned. And it's such. A, it always seems to me like the legal process of things, uh, right, rightly or wrongly, it takes so long because it has to go through this person and mm -hmm. that person. If you want to move a prisoner from from this wing to that wing, or f from this prison to that prison. Do you? Is there a lot of paperwork that comes with that? Is that a long um, process? There, there is paperwork you have to do. I mean, there's paperwork for literally everything. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you've got valid reasons and you can you can um, clarify and um, prove those reasons, mm. then you know you can you can have them sent wherever. Straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. The bloke who threw piss and shit all over me, potted me. What? 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 <laughs> Ended up north somewhere. Very north. With <laughs> <laughs> your foot up his arse. <laughs> potted? Yeah, pot potted is um, not... Well, it's... Basically, I'd upset this prisoner. I'd put him on basic um, because of his behaviour and how he was speaking to female staff. Um, it was quite sexually innuendos and... He wasn't a very nice person. Um, so as because I was uh, the principal officer on, on the wing, um, I put him on basic, which basically means that his regime is curtailed, his canteen is curtailed. He basically stays behind his door when everybody else is out, apart from maybe an hour a day. Um, and, um, you know, it's all about um, incentives and earned privileges. So you have three three levels. So you have your enhanced. So those are for the good boys who, who adhere to the regime, get on, go to work. You have everybody comes in as standard. So, you know, you're in the middle and then you have your basics. And he didn't like the fact that I'd put him on basic. And um, he was... Uh, Playing, playing up on the wing, and he was literally like one step away from the seg, anyways. But um, I was working late one night. I wasn't actually supposed to be, and um, the wing was out on association, and it was his time to be out. Is association like playtime? Yeah, right. where they can place. They we had a snooker table and a pool table and right. associate with each other. Yeah. And um, so you've got 344 men out and probably six staff, myself and a senior officer on the wing. Mm. Um, so um, and um, earlier in the day, 
um, a prisoner had come up to me and he says, uh, Gov, I just want to say to you, watch your back. And I said, what are you on about? And he says, just watch your back, Gov. I can't say any more than that. And I was like, okay. God, that's got to be scary now. Fair enough. Um, well, you know, I've, somebody threatened to have me shot outside. You know, if, 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 if you took every threat that... Um, that you had against you, you'd never go into work. So anyways, that night I was, I was working late. I was catching up with some paperwork and, uh, an alarm bell rang on the fours landing. I was on the ones, which is the bottom. And, uh, came out of my office, was running up the landing and, uh, literally stopped dead in my tracks. I was literally covered in, in, in piss and shit. And, um, potting is they, piss and they shit in a bottle, uh, add some water, shake it up, leave it for a couple of days, and then they throw it over you. Oh, no. And, um, yeah, so that, that ended up on completely covering me. And I knew straight away it was him. How do you react to something like that? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of done, you know, to humiliate you and, and to, you know... Degrade. Degrade yeah. you. And, yeah, so... Uh, to my mind, the most important thing was to make sure that it it didn't it didn't show that it affected me at all. So, like, obviously the alarm bell was ringing, so we had staff coming from other wings. We got the wing banged up. Um, the duty governor who was on it wasn't me because I was the principal officer at that time. Um, came came down and um, he said we need to get you some new uniform he took me to the uni new uniform stores gave me a new uniform I went to the gym um, where the uh, staff gym was uh, there's like staff showers had a shower there got changed went straight back to the wing got some staff together went up to this idiot's um, cell um, said it's me again opened his door um, and I said to staff right get hold of him He's going to the seg. So he went, we marched him down to the segregation unit and he stayed there for about three days. Um, he was adjudicated on for doing, I knew it was him. He, he, he knew we knew it was him. He didn't deny it. Um, and uh, then he was transferred very far up north to a prison up north. Fucking hell. Well, is that, <laughs> where, is that why he rang the bell to get you to come out? Um, I yeah, I, I would imagine that's yeah. why he rang the alarm bell to get wow. me to come out of the office. So, so what? So what's what is seg? What is that? The seg is the segregation unit. So, in the segregation unit is prisoners who are under punishment or prisoners who are there for their own protection. So, anybody who's say um, in for crimes against kids or um, rapists or. Um, debtors they may owe money to some sort of other prisoners um or drugs or whatever um or bad boys who are uh, down there under punishment who have um broken prison rules right you know. will, will there be are they just literally empty cells with nothing in in there yeah, yeah. well they've got a bed yeah. um and and that's it they won't have a tv or anything no no do they manage to get cells that have, like, I've seen, like, I don't know if it's just Facebook posters being like, oh, I can't believe prisoners have got PlayStations and their... Got massage bed in yeah, there. Yeah, like, <laughs> is it possible for prisoners to have, like, these really enhanced cells where they've got all this lovely stuff? Um, there are there are super enhanced cells. Some jails do a super enhanced regime where, um, you know, prisoners have worked their way up um, where they will have um, PlayStations. But... but Always remember that even a TV 
is a privilege. Yeah. Prisoners think it's a right. It's not. It's a privilege. It's always been a privilege. So, you know, if you put somebody on basic, you take away their TV. Um, you, you put, you have, um, say, an enhanced prisoner who you catch with drugs or he assaults another prisoner or a member of staff or whatever, um, and you put him on basic, you take all his privileges away. So you take his PlayStation, you take his TV, you take his radio or whatever, you know, you, you go through the cell and take everything out. So those sorts of things are privileges. But like I say to people, you know, you can't you can't work with people who have nothing yeah. and ha- have no like look looking forward to anything. You know, if you if you want to address your offending behavior and do all the courses um and work with the staff, then you should be rewarded for that. Mm. Um in the hope that that reward keeps you on the straight and narrow when you're released. Yeah, for Because sure. the worst thing that anybody, any of us want is for prisoners to come back in because it costs you money and it costs me money. Yeah. You know, it, we're paying 50 grand a, a year for one prisoner place. We're locking up 88,000 at the moment. <sighs> so we lock up the most prisoners in, in Western Europe, you know. Wow. We have the harshest prison sentences, particularly for first-time non-violent offenders. Why do you think that is? Because I think there's too much politics in in our justice system. Mm. And I think that um, women are more likely to be locked up for a first offence non-violent crime than men. Um, And I think that's because the judiciary are all old men who see their daughters or their wives standing there and think that they should be taught a lesson. Um, And I do believe that. Mm -hmm. And I think that our politics in this country are far too invested in grabbing the vote and a prison and our justice system, unless you say we're going to be hard on crime, Mm. is not a vote winner in this country. So you've got half half the population who think prison's too hard and you've got the other half think it's too soft. Right. And somewhere we've got to meet in the middle and Mm. do something about it. Because if you look at somewhere like somewhere like Norway, they suddenly decided that we're focusing too much on locking prisoners up. We need to look much more at reducing reoffending because reducing reoffending is a winner for everybody because mm. it's cheaper for starters. Yeah. Um, and, um, and they've had fantastic results mm. and they lock up half of what we do. You know, mm. so we, we we had a guy on here. Um, we've had him on a couple of times. A great guy called Raphael Rowe. He yeah. was wrongly imprisoned for a murder. He was racially profiled in the nineties. Got a life sentence, and then it was proven that he didn't do it. He now, um, are you familiar with Raphael? Rowe? I am. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. he um he now travels the world and and visits the world's toughest prisons mm. for a Netflix series. And um, watching that series, there's some super lenient prisons, there's some super strict prisons. In Vanessa's ideal world, how would how would your your prison your your dream prison be? It's a weird way to phrase it, I know, but <laughs> dream prison. Well, I think I think <laughs> you know um, we've got a lot of old Victorian prisons in this country. You know, I can list them all probably. Mm. You know, Wormwood Scrubs, Pentonville, Brixton, Wandsworth, Lincoln, Lancaster. You know, the list is en- endless, mm-hmm. and they they were built in Victorian times, and they're not fit for the modern day purpose um they've lacked investment so my prison would be a modern prison with investment in reducing reoffending 
um, because I'm, I'm quite passionate about that because mm. I, that's why I joined the prison service. I, I joined the prison service to help people address their reoffending and to help them stop. You mm. know, something like 80-odd percent of prisoners are illiterate. They can't read. They can't write. They, they have homelessness issues. They have family issues. You know, there are a lot of social issues that need to be tackled before you can turn around and say... Well, let's let's let that bloke out or, mm. or woman, mm -hmm. either or. Um, and um, I don't think we do enough in this country. And giving somebody a three month sentence for a nonviolent first time offence is, you know, that guy will probably lose his house. He'll lose his job and he could lose his family. So what's he what's he done? Well, he's had three months inside to learn how to be a proper criminal and we've let him out to nothing. So what's such a, a good point? I've never thought of what they leave behind exactly. for those short. You you always think if someone goes to prison for life, well they're going to lose all that. Anyway. Well, exactly. But you but I never really considered that three month thing and stuff. Yeah. Like, how do you keep a lease on a house for that? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, when when you're when you're sort of when you're shorted short of staff and you're short of money, you know, as a as a jail, you know, your staff are your biggest and most expensive, they're your best asset, but they're also your biggest and your most expensive. Mm. So what do you do? You cut your staff. So when you cut your staff, you cut your regimes. And when you cut your regimes, you re cut your offending behavior programs. You, you cut your education. You know, you cut all these things. Mm. Um, and, and it's just a vicious circle. In my mind, take the bloody politics right out of the justice system, start again, have a multi multifunctional, multi-party um, working committee to to look at the whole justice system and get it bloody right. Love that. Do you think prison in its current state isn't genuinely helping people reform No, I don't them? think it is. Really, yeah. No, I don't think it is. We've got the highest um, reoffending rates in Western Europe. How are we? How are we? You know, it's like I said. What what are we doing to help prisoners? Well, we're not. You know, we we want to be, you know, and, and this government turns around and says, well, we're going to we're we're going to be harsh on crime and we're going to build all these fantastic new prisons in the next 10 years. Mm. Well, by which time, you know, the Victorian jails have crumbled into nothing, mm. you know, and um, they think that that's the answer. Lock up more people. But actually, it's not. So there's obviously a long list of things that prisons are getting wrong at the moment. Is there anything that you'd say they're getting right? Um, I think, gosh, oh, I've got to, I've got to find something, haven't I? No, I mean it's it's a very difficult. Um, the the whole genre of prisons is a very topical um, subject, and I think that staff do an incredible job um, under incredible circumstances. You know, many many staff see things on a daily basis, you know, you wouldn't see in a lifetime, thank mm. God. Um, and the way that staff, you know, it does wind me up sometimes, you know, you hear about suicides in prison, which, before anybody says anything, you know, are dreadful. Mm. But there are an awful lot of prisoners who are alive today who owe their lives to staff, who have gone into burning fires, dragged them out, have... have locked them down and given them, you know, um, CPR, brought them back, um, you know. So I think that all we hear on prisons these days is the bad stuff. And I, and I am a, I'd, I would like to be an ambassador 
to say that there is a lot of good staff who do an exceptional job on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have the metal to, to do it, to to see some of the things that you've seen and, and, and heard about, I think would just shock us. So we were talking just before we started the podcast about this wave of how people love true crime now. And I think mm. the reason for it is because it's kind of escapism for us. We can sit within the comfort of our own home and hear about all these things, but you had to deal with that on a day, to, as, as all the other staff do. What is... Um, what was the worst thing you think you've heard or, or, or seen? Um, I, d- I think, well, I, d- I, th- I don't think there's one specific thing that I can say, oh, gosh, that was the worst. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, I work with um, life sentence prisoners for a long time. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, when you work with life sentence prisoners, every six months you have to write a report on them. And every every time you write a report, you've got to go through their records. Some of them are like this high, you know, five foot high, mm. you know, because they've been in prison 30 odd years and things like that. Um, and you read all the court documents and in, in, in those documents are all the ins and outs and specifics of crimes and things like that. And they can be quite shocking and nobody prepares you for that. You know, some of them were, were sex offenders. Nobody prepares you for dealing with sex offenders. What and these are the what is happening here within the prison wall? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um so so you have to write a report on lifers, anybody who gets a life sentence. So the, like their place of work writes a report, their wing uh personal officer writes a report, the wing whoever's a I see the wing writes a report. Um, it's to build up a picture of how they're addressing uh, their life sentence. Are they um, saying, yeah, they did it or are they still maintaining their innocence? You know, which happens. Mm. Um, and um, so you, you build up a picture and reading some of the stuff, you know, in, in the, in the court reports can be quite harrowing, but nobody sort of prepares you for that. They just say, right, Jones needs a a report writing on him. Can you go and do it? And you right. sit down and you start reading this, and and you know you can al- almost like be bogged down with it. Um, and um, you know, the, the, there's a couple that kind of stood out for me, thinking, why am I reading this? And mm-hmm. one was um, a guy who murdered his uh, wife, nine year old daughter, and seven year old son. Um, and it was his daughter who phoned 999 and in the in the tapes um of the um 999 call you the the daughter is saying daddy's killing mummy no um way. and um and then nothing because that's when she had her throat slit you know and and, and you you know nobody sort of prepares you to to read that and you have to listen and then to and then you know the guy walks into your office and you say oh gov can you can you sort this out for me and you know and and nobody tells you how to deal with that how, sort of thing how do you not let that affect the dynamic you have with the i think it's prisoner? it's all about compartmentalizing in your head so what 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 I and probably every single other prison officer do is is you know you take these little things and you put them away and you try not to think about them and you and, only see them as the prisoner you yeah heard. yeah uh, because otherwise you would a you wouldn't be able to do the job um and you'd be hard pushed to be professional with that mm. person and you know it's all about being professional and dealing with individuals as individuals um and um you know there was another one that um we had um a guy who 
He did nine years. Uh, he was sentenced to nine years for rape. It was a really nasty rape. He was a horrible individual, even though I say so myself. Anyways, uh, this guy ended up um, committing suicide. Um, and I happened to be duty governor, of course, the week the weekend that it happened. And um, I heard the alarm bell going off saying it was a code one. Code one is attempted suicide. Mm. And... Um, I rushed to the, it, he was in the seg because he was just so vile we couldn't have him on the on the wings and uh, rushed down to the seg and uh, he was upstairs in his cell and um, they couldn't work on him properly because it was only a, a small cell and you know the nursing staff there the duty doctor there was staff doing CPR on him trying to bring him back and uh, so we made the decision to to roll him onto a bed sheet and take him down the stairs and into sort of um, the landing where there was much more room where people could get round him. Meanwhile, the ambulance had the first response had arrived, followed by the ambulance, and they'd called the helicopter. And the helicopter had landed on the scrubland behind Wormwood Scrubs, and the doctor and a nurse had run from the scrubs all the way around past Hammersmith Hospital and into the jail. And they were working on this guy for, I don't know, it must have been an hour, I should think. I mean, he was dead. Right. And if he'd have, if, if they'd have got him back, he you know, he'd have been a vegetable right. completely. Yeah. Um, and um, so in the end, the doctor from the, from the helicopter said, um, I'm going to have to call this. Does everybody else agree? And everybody else agreed and they called it and death was at, I don't know, say three o'clock. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was that. So I took my staff, the officers on the landing, the member of staff who'd seen, um, who'd found him, uh, took them into a side room, uh, made sure they were all right, had a chat with them. And came back out, there was no bugger there. They'd literally all gone. And in the middle of the landing was this dead body. Now, if you have a suicide in jail, the coroner has to come. Yeah. Um, because obviously it goes to an investigation, any any death, whether it's natural causes, suicide, whatever. Um, but sometimes a coroner can be six hours. Well, we've got this dead body in the middle of the in the middle of the landing. And um, we had about, I'd say about another dozen prisoners locked up behind their doors um, on the wing that we had to get fed. Could the prisoners see all the... No, happening? because they've, they... got, they've got flaps over okay, their yeah. spy holes, so no, they couldn't see it. Mm. But they could hear yeah. well what was going on, you know. And um, so I said, well, we're going to have to put him in a cupboard. Well, I can't have it. We've got to feed the rest of the, the prisoners. We can't have them stepping over a dead body. Um, and he was still on the sheet that we'd brought him down with. So I said to the staff, right, well, we'll all take a corner and we'll drag him off to the store cupboard and we'll put him in there until the coroner comes so we can feed the rest of the wing. What else could I do? Yeah. <laughs> so Because wow. we couldn't carry him back up. It was a like a, I don't mean a pun, but it was a dead weight. Yeah. You know, he was far too heavy to carry back That's up. It's mad that everyone just left. Yeah. All, every single person <laughs> just left. And um, so I, I said, the, the principal officer, he, he just looked at me and I, and I went, well, you know, I'm sorry, but yeah. I've got, this is the thing, you know, you, you can spend all your time on one prisoner, but you've still got another 12 to, to sort out. Wow. So um, we put him in the store cupboard. As we laid him down, 
his arm flopped over my shoe. And I said to the the principal officer, the orderly officer, I said, Steve, could you just get his arm off my shoe, please? <laughs> so he sort of picked his arm off and flopped it back across him. I said, thank you. <laughs> For about three months after that, I had nightmares about this arm falling I on bet. my foot. I it bet. was the most bizarre thing. But nobody ever prepares you for, no. for the first death you see. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of deaths and attempted deaths in, 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 uh, in the prison service. And, um, you know, they never get any easier. But at the same time, I used to think that there was something wrong with me because... I never seem to be very affected by them. I, I, I'm almost, almost sort of detached myself from mm. them. You know, mm. it, it was quite bizarre. And then when I wrote the book, of course, you know, you're pulling these things out of your your brain that's been hidden for like years and years and years. And it was quite difficult in in mm. some in some parts to 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 face it all again. It's a bit like therapy in a way, isn't it? Yeah, People most keep definitely. It up, and then when you eventually speak yeah. to a therapist, it all comes out. With that detachment, did you find that you could you detached yourself from the prisoners in general? So, like, did you ever feel like you got close to a prisoner? Not not in a weird way, but like <laughs> as a, even like you're seeing these people all the time, day in day out. Were there ever moments where you thought actually they're quite a nice person? Mm. Um. I think you know there was there was there was a couple that you'd sort of say, well, they're for the grace of God, you know, somebody who'd who'd gone out. We had uh, one young lad, um, and uh, he was a pleasant enough chap, um, you know. He he'd gone out with his mates. They'd had a lot to drink on a Friday night. He'd swung a punch at somebody who'd given him a bit of ag. This guy fell over, hit the back of his head, and died. That's exactly what happened to my dad. That's what was it? Was in prison exactly like that. Uh, Drinking, fight outside a pub. There, but night. for the grace of God, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and he was a de- he was a decent enough lad. I mean, he was up to all sorts. I knew that. Yeah. But he was he was. Probably you know. was my dad actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his name weren't Steve, was it? No. <laughs> yeah, my dad's name is Steve. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you just make that name up, or was that a real thing? No, this, this guy. This guy. Uh, he, he weren't in Wormwood Scrubs, was he? he I, you I, said this I, on the I, way I, up. I you didn't know. know. What was his surname? Do you remember? Oh, God, no. Do you know how many prisoners I, I happened to see? Yeah. Hundreds. If he was on <laughs> D-Wing at Wormwood Scrubs, that's Do, do you know how spooky. long ago it was, roughly? <laughs> this would be absolutely insane. Yeah, that would be. Um, I need to find out what prison he was in. I don't know. Um, How long ago was it? Oh, I don't know, 2005, maybe? No, no it can't be then, can it? Four. Can't be, because I was alive. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you just go all goosebumps? Yeah. Uh, wow. There's a lot of Steve's about. Yeah, there is. There is. So where, where were we? We were talking about um, oh, uh, t- prisoners that you might like. So this yeah. Steve guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, you know, he, he was a what I'd call like a rum bugger. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He, you knew he was up to all sorts, but he, he just kind of had a way with. Him, right, that you couldn't help but 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 like and but smile, cheeky little. F- <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, you, you're, you're so obviously professional to have done this job for so many years, and the detachment thing is something that we probably would struggle with, and that's why we're not fit for that job. How does it? How does it? How do prisoners detach themselves from the crimes of other prisoners? So, for example, Lucy Letby. Yeah. 
the one one of the worst cases we've ever mm-hmm. heard. Will, will prisoners, um, inmates around her, will they they they'll, they'll know about? Her, oh yeah, they? yeah, yeah. They've got TVs. They've got newspapers. Absolutely, they'll they'll know all about her. So is she fucked? She well, you know, she certainly won't be within the general population. Will she now. be sex straight away forever? Well, that would depend. I mean, that would depend on, like, you know, risk assessments and and how how it's perceived in the in the media. You know, whilst there's always the chance of something coming up, she's going to appeal, I believe, and they might charge her with another one. And you know, it's it's far too early. But certainly, I would imagine now she's she's down the seg. I mean, like Rose West, we had a at um, at Holloway, and I looked after her for like two months while she was pre-trial um, waiting for her trial to start at Winchester Crown. So we had her at Holloway and um, we had her down the seg at Holloway um, because for her safety, but not only for her safety, but for others' safety, so staff safety and prisoner safety. Um, was she the Rose West? Was she the Moors? No, 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 that's Myra Hindley. Rose West, um, along with her husband, Fred West, who hung himself in Winston Green Jail, right. um, was a serial killer. Um, about, I think she killed about 10, uh, 10 women, one of which was her stepdaughter, um, in um, Gloucestershire, right? Mar- Much Markle, I think it w- was. The... And, and you, you had two months with her, did you? Yeah, yeah. We looked after her for two what was months. That like the first time you saw her. Oh gosh! You see, you got to remember that to sort of like Joe Public and the media, especially, um, you know, people like Letby. Rose West, Myra Hindley, you know, they're personified evil. You know, they they must look evil. They must they must have evil stamped on their forehead. But actually, to somebody who works with them day in, day out, they're a prisoner like any other prisoner. So whilst the media may make them out and almost sort of like, um, whilst they vilify them in one breath, they're also giving them some kudos in another, right. if you see what I mean, mm-hmm. by by saying, you know, you know, the worst female serial killer or the worst this, the worst that. Giving them a badge, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, And, um, but when you work with people like that, sort of day in, day out, they're nobodies. Mm. They're a prisoner like anybody else. Uh, Rose West did a lot of knitting. She um, had very thick bottled, almost like milk bottle bottom glasses um, that she was blind as a bat without. Mm. Um, we never quite found out what she was knitting, but she just seemed to knit forever. She, We kept her down the seg. At the same, I'll tell you a story about Rose West. So Rose West was um, with her husband, Fred, charged uh, with multiple murders of young women. Um, and it was believed that she had a lot to do with, you know, um, rolling down the window as they were, driving past some young woman and um, getting her to get in the car. And, was it and sex work? Yeah, right. yeah. Well, not just sex workers, but they were young young women, like 15, 16-year-olds. Who I think. would naturally trust her more. Yes, yeah. than, than Fred's. And she was, she. it was um, proven that she'd murdered her stepdaughter when Fred was actually in prison. She'd, she'd murdered him. And they found all these bodies in their their home in Gloucestershire and then they went to their previous house and found a load more. Mm-hmm. So she was quite a high, prolific um, serial killer at that time. 
And so we had her down down the seg at Holloway. Like I said, she was waiting trial to Winchester Crown Court um, for two months. So every every night we used to. She was down down the seg on what's called um, own protection. So she wasn't down there under punishment. She was she was down there to protect her and to protect other people. Um, and so with those sorts of people, they are given like um i don't say sort of more but she wasn't there under punishment so we let her have knitting needles during the day we used to take them out at night um we she we didn't have tvs in cells then but what we did have was a big tv in like a common room that she could come out we'd let her out for like an hour in the evening to watch news or whatever what with other people no no oh, but we did have one other person mm. down there at the same time who was a big black um rastafarian woman mm. who was she turned qe queen's evidence against a big drugs gang and she was also down the seg at that time for her own protection right. because um the police had uh told her she has an osman out on her and an osman is a as a threat of death and it's a serious threat so the gang had actually threatened to to kill her because she snitched yeah basically yeah. right um and when when you get an osman it's the worst thing you don't want an Osman on you. Um, so she was down there for her own protection. Yeah. So we had these two people, these two prisoners who were down the seg for their own protection. They were no problem. They cleaned their cells. They came out, did a bit of cleaning. Um, and we used to get them both out um, about six o'clock at night for half an hour to an hour to watch a bit of TV, have a cup of tea together, just because they were there by themselves. Neither really knew anything about the other one. So when Rose went off on the, I think she went off on the Friday, she went off to Winchester to stay over at Winchester Prison. They made um, like a, a little sort of uh, female enclave bit in one of the wings that they could just keep her there for a trial. Mm -hmm. So on the Monday, again, we'd get the, we got the, the woman who was there turned queen, Queen's evidence. We got her out on the evening and Rose had had her first day of trial. So she was watching the news, this woman, and she said to, she said to myself and another officer, Oh, that Rose West, you know, dreadful woman, horrible, horrible woman, all those murders she's committed. You know, I hope she, they throw away the key and, and myself and this other officer like looked at each other and we're like, what are you talking about? You've sat next to her for the like past two months. Every evening we've got you out together to watch the TV, have a cup of tea. And she was like, no, <laughs> that was Rose West. No way. <laughs> yeah. She didn't know. <laughs> had no clue. Wow. Well, me, me and this other officer, you practically had to scrape us off the floor. We were howling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. C celebrity inmate oh yes have you ever had you know i'm not talking about like infamous um killers and stuff but just just your celebrities oh do they, yes. do they ever come through the door occasionally occasionally so we had um we had uh one of the old gladiators shadow he he was uh at wormwood scrubs we I had remember him. yeah i used to love gladiators oh, yeah i'm not you familiar remember? you don't know gladiators ready yeah, yeah. i know that <laughs> great show yeah, yeah. what was oh. the indian no, what was that accent? No, that was, that was, that was, that was, 
Scottish. Right, right. Oh, is, that, oh, is that where he's from? <laughs> yeah, oh, Scottish. Go. I'm not going to act. So he, yeah. he came in. He, he came in, yeah. But he was a, literally a shadow of his former self. He he got himself into drugs and uh, got caught and dealing and all sorts. Dreadful, dreadful way to end up. Um, and then we had a Pete Doc. Doherty, Doherty, whichever way you want to say. Yeah, from the Liverpool. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. never heard of him. Right. right. <laughs> I knew that he he was um, going with Kate Moss yeah. at one time, um, but I'd never heard of. Is it Baby Shambles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Libertines? Never heard any. I couldn't tell you anything that they'd sung. We had him in, and he caused us a few problems. Did he? What yeah. He well, he was only jailed for about. I think it was around about three months. So he would have only had done six weeks. Mm. And it was to do with the fact that I think he hadn't um, adhered to his um, his probation order with regards um, a drug rehab or something like that. And the right. judge had kind of lost it and thought, well, bugger you, you're going inside. Mm. See, how you, see how you like that. Again, three months. Um, so he'd only had done like six weeks. So when he first came in and, of course, all the paparazzi were outside the jail and um, just these sorts of people are just a pain in the backside, to be honest, really. Um, they're more... They're more bother than they're worth really but um you know you've got to you've got to be professional and um so myself and the medical staff decided the best place to put him was on our detox unit because it was with other um drug addicts he we knew he was a drug addict um and we run a good detox unit at, at scrubs we did at that time um staff were really good up there and um, so that's where we put him. So then I get a phone call a couple of days later saying from the staff on, on the detox unit. Gov, our cell cards keep disappearing. Pete Doherty keeps taking them off, signing autographs and giving them to prisoners. What are cell cards? Right. Every, every cell has a card outside it. Um, and it says the prisoner's name, the prisoner's number, so oh. that you can check like, well, Smith and Jones, you should be in, in yeah. cell 18. I mean, it's it's a really it's a rubbish system to yeah. be honest. I mean, if if you had like a modern system, you, it would all be computerized. It'd be fabulous. Yeah, in Vanessa's prison. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, um, anyways, so he kept taking all these cell cards off off prisoners' cells doors, signing them and, and giving them out. So we went up there and we had a little chat with him and said, you know, can you stop this and <sighs> fell on deaf ears and oh. um so then um it was a weekend and i came in on the sunday and i went into the security office as i did every day first thing and on the on the front page was the news of the world um and was a picture of pete doherty smoking some joint with a load of prisoners in a cell on our detox unit well i could have bit feathers right. and of course you can imagine you know w what i was saying about negative press for prisons you know all the good work that that we try and do with detoxing prisoners and uh you know because he was who he was he wanted to be somebody else um and um so they clearly got a mobile phone and, is that how they did it well they got the yeah, phone yeah 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 Wow. Just an, you know, mobile phones are, I mean, some mobile phones are like about this big these yeah. days, you know. Crazy. But, um, yeah, so, the, the, 
I said to uh, the medical staff, because it was the detox unit, right, he's, he's sort of like gone through it now. I've had enough of him. He's going down the seg. He can stay there until he until he's discharged in another sort of three or four weeks. Right. And uh, I went up to to him um, up to the detox unit, opened his cell door, and said, "Right, pack your stuff, Pete. You're off down the seg." How did he take that? He mumbled a few <laughs> choice words at me, <laughs> and uh, I mumbled a few back. And that was that. That sounds like a lot like his singing, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that and that was that, and that's where he stayed. Oh wow! Where where we could keep a better eye on him, and you know, he shot himself in the foot there. He could have he could have done something, and I just think that you know because of who he was, um, you know, he he kind of. It was like flies to shit. Mm. You know, they all the prisoners knew who he was and buzzed round him and give him that sort of like. Hey, that's strange. Yeah, I would, I would assumed a lot of prisoners would have been jealous and oh, like, what's he no, doing no, in no, here? No, no. They were yeah. just treating him like a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. With, even in the prison walls, there's that hierarchy. Yeah. Isn't yeah. There? yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, he'd have been seen as one of them because he had drug issues as well, and mm. you know, and and. You know, I I do understand that part, but it was just the whole sort of, you know, well, look, I'm Pete Do- Doherty, Doherty, whatever you want to call him. And, uh, you know, I can get my fi- my publicity on the front page even when I'm in jail. And uh, I just thought, yeah, that just about says it all. So, right. yeah, celebrities, I've had a few and they're all a pain in the backside, to be honest. Vanessa, you've been absolutely great. I could sit here and listen to you for weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love you. They're going to want to follow you on social media. They're going to want to find your stuff. Where can people find you? Okay, well, uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm just getting my head around TikTok. Um, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter. Um, and you can buy my book on Amazon. Yeah, the book's called The Governor, and uh, I'm going to be going to get it straight away because uh, it's been absolutely fascinating. What's your what's your Instagram handle? Uh, um, at VFH. VFH. There we yeah. go. We will put the we'll put the. Is there an eleven on there as well? I think there's an eleven, isn't there? Is there? Oh, there yeah. might oh, be. Let me just. Oh, it might be twelve. Let's have a little look. I'll just have a double check because people yeah. will want to come and find you. See, I can't um, remember. Uh, VFH12. There you right go. There. At VFH12 on Instagram, guys, go follow Vanessa. Um, you can. Ask her all the questions in the DMs. I'm sure you'll love that. <laughs> I do. I do actually answer everybody who messages. Oh me. dear. Yeah, absolutely. Don't say that now. Let's not leave you alone. <laughs> there we go. This has been Jack Mate's Happy Hour podcast with me, Jack Mate, Stevie White, and the brilliant Vanessa Frake Harris. Vanessa, we always finish on the same question. Go on. What is the meaning of life? Um, Brian. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Monty Python? Yeah, well done. I got the reference. (laughs) See you in a few days. I won't pot you on the way out. Thank you. (laughs) Jack Mate's Happy Hour.